Please lift up your hearts for the reading of God's word from Deuteronomy chapter 4, 9, verses 12. Only take care and keep your soul diligently, lest you forget the things that your eyes have seen, and lest you depart from your heart all the days of your life. Make them known to your children and your children's children, how on that day you stood before the Lord your God at Horeb. The Lord said to me, gather the people to me, that I might let them hear my words, so that they may learn to fear me all the days, and that they live on earth, and that they teach them to their children so. And you came near and stood at the foot of the mountain, while the mountain burned with the fire of the heart of heaven, wrapped in darkness, cloud and gloom. Then the Lord spoke to you out of the midst of the fire. You heard the sound of the words, but saw no form. There was only a voice. May God bless the reading of the word. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Yeah, all right. It's great. Last service, Cohen said, you may be seated. And... I forgot to have everyone stand up. So it's two weeks in a row, I'm just blowing that, man. Jeez. Um, and Dave will forever be the sound of Moses for me. So thank you, Dave. You got skill, man. Well, um, we're in a series called A Thousand Generations for the month of August. And in this series, we're sort of zooming out. Okay, we're zooming out. So God promised to Moses that he would keep steadfast love and faithfulness to the thousandth generation in the book of Exodus. And again, in Deuteronomy, he confirms it. I will be faithful to a thousand generations. And of course, that's not being literal. That means forever, right? God will be faithful forever. But even if we want to be literal about it, it hasn't been forever. Uh, we're only about a hundred generations from Jesus. Only about a hundred generations from Jesus. And it's easy to lose this big picture perspective at times for all sorts of reasons. It's easy to lose perspective. But one of the main reasons is that each generation of God's people has its controversies, right? Every generation of God's people has its controversies. For us today, it's mostly all the conversation around gender and sexuality, but there's also race, there's politics, you know, and it's been evolution, it's been baptism, it's been the color of the carpet in the sanctuary, you know. Uh, every generation of God's people has its controversies, and, you know, there's discernment to do that can be challenging, you know. Where, where do we stand firm, but where do we need to listen and repent to what God is saying through this controversy? And it can be really challenging because these, con these controversies, they have this, like, gravitational pull, don't they? They just consume our attention and our energy. They just sort of suck us in, and they can become like the only thing that matters, even to the point where we see other people, other believers, through the lens of that controversial issue, whatever it is. And I, I just want to stress this and really stress the fact that this has always been the case. This has always been the case. Every generation of God's people has its controversies and crises, right? It wasn't like 
you know, Jesus and the apostles, and it was just pristine, and then, and then we blew it all after that, you know? Like, even in, in the Bible, mo- the reason so much of it was written was an answer to controversy, right? Like, in the book of Romans, they couldn't agree over whether or not it was okay to eat meat that had been sacrificed to an idol, to a false god. You know, would be like, well, it's not hurting anybody, and you know, it was a complicated topic, and there absolutely was truth, to bear on that conversation, and Paul spoke boldly about that, but at one point, he does zoom out. He says, you know what? The kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. And I wonder if today you'd be like, you know, the kingdom of God is not about sex, okay? The kingdom of God is not about gender, right? I mean, there's no male and female in Christ. Now, of course, I mean, I'm a peacemaker, so I would love it if that were just the end of the story. No, right? We have to get engaged in these controversies, and we have to seek truth and speak truth and proclaim truth. We got to do it, right? But there is a danger. There is a danger of losing focus. There is a danger of mission drift. There is a danger of no longer being able to rest in the center, in the center, in the gospel. And last week with Pastor Laren, which, how good was that? That was just awesome. Uh, he was just bringing pearls, man, just pearls, and the world was not worthy. My goodness. Um, we've centered on this question, what is it that passes on for a thousand generations? What is it that passes on for a thousand generations? What's the center? Because there's so much that seems really central that doesn't pass down. What is it? And it's the gospel. It's the unsearchable works, the unsearchable works of God. It's creation, Christmas, Good Friday, Easter, God's unsearchable works, which can be really hard to explain sometimes. Like, how did God create everything? (laughs) That's tough to explain, right? And yet we must proclaim the unsearchable works of God, meditate and proclaim. And so here's an obvious, maybe, and perhaps rather leading question um, where do we learn of God's unsearchable works? In the scripture, yeah. You think this is worth passing on? Yeah, we, we learn about God's word, God's unsearchable works in his word, in the scriptures. Now, did the scriptures always look like this? No, right? The form changes. I mean, this is wrapped in beautiful leather, and it's got these nice gold pages. I don't actually use this that much. I use my iPad and my phone, right? And even this wasn't there always. It was scrolls. I said squirrels for service. I was really struggling with that. Scrolls, okay? There were scrolls, and most of it's like oral, culture, illiterate. You're passing it down via the word. So the form changes, but the word of God remains, amen? Amen. The word of God stands forever. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our Lord shall abide, shall stand forever. So this week, we're going to ask a slightly different question, and it is this. What are we responsible for handing down to the next generation? Because we're, we're not exactly passive, are we? It doesn't just, you know, pass on whether we do anything or not. We have a responsibility. And what is our responsibility for passing down to the next generation. We're not passive. And I told Laren, you know, this week, that's the question I really wanted to focus on. And so he pointed out to me this great little section in Deuteronomy 4 that we just read together. And I want you to notice in Deuteronomy 4 
what Moses says. He doesn't say merely teach your children and your grandchildren the Ten Commandments. Right? It, I mean, that's included, okay? But it's not merely that, and it's not first and foremost teach your kids all the rules. What does he tell them? He says, tell them the story. Tell them the story. He says, don't forget to tell them what you saw that day on the mountain. Remember what it was like when the mountain was wrapped somehow in darkness and gloom and yet blazing fire up to heaven. Remember what it was like. Remember you came near God. Remember what it was like when you stood near the mountain and you heard the voice of the Lord speaking out of the fire. Tell your kids your story. Tell your grandchildren that story. Don't forget to tell them the story. I think there's really something here. Don't forget to tell them the story. We have a responsibility to tell the story of what happened on that mountain so that the next generation might know the unsearchable works of our unsearchable God. We have a responsibility. Now, of course, our story doesn't center on or end with Moses and the law, right? Our story doesn't center on Moses and Mount Horeb, or what we call Sinai. Our story centers on a different mountain. Our story centers on Mount Calvary and what happened there, right? Our story is the story of a God who so loved the world that he gave his one and only son to die on Calvary's cross so that whoever would believe in him, whoever would listen to him, a prophet, infinitely greater than Moses, the Son of God, whoever would listen to him and believe on him might not perish but have eternal life. That verse passes on, right? We still teach our kids that one. But it's not just the story of something that happens. It's your story. It's my story. Remember, Paul learned to say, I have been crucified with Christ. There was a Paul without Jesus. There was a Paul if not for Jesus. There was a Paul be for Jesus, right? Uh, and, and I have a story. I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You and I have a responsibility to meditate upon and tell that story so that the next generation might know God. That they might know the center, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Father who sent his Son and sent the Spirit. It's so that, you know, the next generation, they're going to have their crises. They're going to have their controversies. Hopefully Jesus just comes back. Amen? You know, but if, if he tarries a bit longer, they're going to have their controversies. And we tell them, we tell them the story, we tell them our story so that they might affirm and rest in the center. And so today we're going to uh, primarily look through the lens of parents telling the story to their kids. We're going to look through the lens of family discipleship. But family discipleship is about all of us. We're all part of the family of God, amen? We are all part of the household of God. That's all of us. So you might have little kids at home, or you might be a widower, you might be an empty nester, you might be a single college student, you might be a dink. You guys know what a dink is? A dink, maybe, you know, dink by choice, not infertility, dual income, no kids. That's a dink. I learned that from Stanley Hauerwas, right? Whatever your season is, Okay, you have a responsibility. You have a part to play. You have lines, okay? 
in the play. But we got to ask a couple questions. Ask ourselves a couple questions. The first question is, what is your season? What is your season? Second question is, who's in your garden? What is your season? That's where you need to start. You name that reality. What's your season? Like, how specific have you been about what your responsibility is in your season? Right? You, you, God's given you gifts. God's given you resources. God's put people in your garden. Those are the people you have the most influence on. They're in your garden and you're in theirs. And you have a responsibility. How am I going to be most fruitful? fruitful? Right? Jesus put us on earth to bear fruit. Right? How am I going to be most fruitful in this season, in my garden? What is my responsibility? How specific, how clear can you be about that? You know, you don't plant lettuce in March. That's a winter garden. What's your season? Who is in your garden? Garden people, don't call me on that, okay? Just, you get the metaphor, all right? So, Brittany and I season our garden, right? We got three, eight, five, and two. We got three kids at home, okay? That's our season. Pastor John Tyson in New York, uh, he, in his newsletter recently, he quoted research that said 98% of the time that you spend with your kids will be when they are in your house, those 18 years. So you might have a 40-year relationship after that. You know, we got Thanksgivings and we're friends and all that stuff. You're like, we got time. 98% on average of the time you spend with your children are in those 18 years, even if it's 60 years, 18 years. So if you're wise, where are you going to invest? Where are you going to invest in the 18, right? You're going to invest in the 18 years, right? It becomes a much harder market after that. Okay, so Brittany and I, in that season, we got saplings. It's our responsibility that they're oaks, right? They need a lot of time. They need a lot of attention. So there's some ruthless boundaries around our time so we can give our kids, our garden, the attention that they need. Now, very nerdy Dane example, okay? I have decided, Brittany and I have decided together, uh, I should say, that um, my... Children, our children, our children, uh, I got some letting go to do. Okay, our children will hear the story of Narnia, Hobbit, and Lord of the Rings. They will hear that story, and they will hear it from mom and dad. I'm almost done with Levi, okay? We're finishing Return of the King, and Brittany just finished Lion, the Witch, in the Wardrobe with Avila. And I'm not like, it's reading time. It's like they're begging for this right? And I'm not like stopping all the time being like, now Frodo was very brave. Are you going to be like Frodo? It's like, no, just being in the story changes them. They inhabit the story in the presence of mom and dad. That's the goal. That's our responsibility. You know, I don't got to do a podcast on it like this. Just read it to them. That's the responsibility, right? And just as an analogy, I just have noticed with parents in our day, we're so insecure and we think we need techniques Right? We think we need all this stuff, and we've lost the power of just an open Bible. You're like, I can't read in Genesis. I got questions. I got questions. The kids need your questions. That's, that's what they need. They just, the Holy Spirit has things to say to your kids. It's your responsibility to create the space, to open God's word. The Spirit will move, okay? Amen. Parents today, we got so many decisions to make schooling, you know, technology, screen addiction, every conceivable controversial topic, all of it. So can we simplify this? Our kids need to hear your story of how you came to know Jesus. They need to hear the story from your mouth. They need to read the Bible with you. And let me just say Ephesians and Colossians, 
It says, dads, it's your garden. It's your garden, right? So mom can do it, but, you know, when God comes into the garden, he says, Adam, where were you, right? Adam, where are you at, right? So it's our responsibility, it's our responsibility to do this in a way, Ephesians and Colossians says that doesn't exasperate or discourage our kids, okay? That's our job. That is our garden is tell them the story, and our kids will not forget that. Our kids will not forget that. And just quickly, I think it's important, again, we remember this isn't just about having kids, okay? This extends to everybody who loves Jesus in this room. How many times have we overcomplicated discipleship? Like we need some special technique. Have you, just, you can just ask someone, let's, let's read the Gospel of John together. You think you need to know all the answers. No, you just need questions. You just need questions, and you can read the Gospel of John together. You can read Proverbs together. You can go to your pastor and say, we just finished that. We're not sure what to read next, right? And you can invite him to Alpha. You can say, I don't know, have you, would you ever come to church with me? What was it, like 70% of people would say yes if they just asked, as you said a few weeks ago, Brian, right? We're missing these opportunities when we overcomplicate it. So let's, let's, let's start there. Let's start with the center, and let's name our season. Let's name our garden. What's my season? Who's in my garden now, who am I going to share my story with, hear their story, open God's word with? It's, it's that simple, okay? So now, Brittany and I have been trying to live out family discipleship, and uh, also, the Blaze are in the house today. So can I invite you guys up and Brittany up? And we're going to have a conversation about family discipleship for the next 15 or 20 minutes. Uh, that was a short sermon, right? Let's go. All right. That might be a record for the last few years. Um, that was hard. Uh, so we're going to have a conversation around family discipleship. Uh, and this framework, super simple framework for discipling kids, but it works for all discipleship. Uh, simple framework, time, or modeling time, moments, and milestones. It comes from the book Family Discipleship by Matt Chandler and Adam Griffin that Brittany and I taught through and uh, Cheryl sat in on. Uh, over the Zoom days of the pandemic. And so we're going to talk through these and just take notes and then name your season, name your garden, and then uh, apply this framework. So, all right. So, Jack and Cheryl Blake. Yeah. I would like to publicly say, is this on? Is it on? Testing. Hello? Yes. Hello. I did not agree to Lord of the Rings. <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, I got that. I agree to fine. Narnia yeah. and The Hobbit. So. Okay. Just so we're clear. We're clear. Okay. I have a lot of accountability on that now. Yeah. <laughs> Did you force Brittany to read you? Yeah. All right. Uh, that's good. Tasty. All right. So Jack and Cheryl, welcome. Thank you. We're so thank glad you. you guys are here. Yes. Thank uh, you. Yes. Let's clap for Jack and Cheryl. Um, so Cheryl has been our VCC Kids Director for the last 25 years, and she will be retiring this next year. This next year. Yes. It's going to be exciting and not exciting because yes. I love my job. <laughs> but, um, yes, it's awesome. And Jack just retired as a judge. Yeah, thank you. And uh, we do have some pictures to show you. So apparently immediately after Jack retired, Cheryl got him working on painting. Uh, so this was this week. Uh, His Sunday school class he teaches in. Yes, yes, yes he does. And we're a little concerned about how much blue there is in the new building in these new rooms. Um, go Dodgers. Go Dodgers. 
Sorry. Uh, yeah, thank you. Sorry. Thank you. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. We're, we're displaced. Yeah. And uh, this next picture is incredible. This is, yeah. That was my last day on the bench. Our, all of our kids and five grandkids were, were able that's to That's not it. up yet. Oh, I thought that was there. Uh, that's our dating years. Oh, yeah. And I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to uh, convince Jack to propose. I, and I did. I, mar I married up. Beautiful. And this next picture, fast forward a bit. Yeah. That's the last day, yes. Yeah. That's the last day. So we had everybody there, uh, five grandkids, and then we have one do any day, a little yeah. boy. And what a picture of blessing. Amen. I mean, from acorn to oak tree, just fruitful, and the family loves you guys, and it's just, it's just awesome. Awesome. Yeah, I was going to say just our season, you had uh, given your season. So our season this year, we celebrated uh, two milestones, our 40th wedding anniversary mm. and, uh, and 40 years here. Wow, wow, wow. Yeah, we came um, from our honeymoon to this church. It was awesome. And we've raised our children here. They've been dedicated here. And they've wow gone to church here with us for all these years, so it's been quite the blessing to see 40 years of this church grow. Yeah. And we were here for the battle of the sanctuary <laughs> carpet. Carpet, <color>. yeah. <laughs> Let's move on. <laughs> wow. Well, 40 years, um, you can't help but have at least some wisdom after all that, so... We're inviting you guys up. Can you start by sharing with us what is a blaism? Oh, no. <laughs> so a blaism is do not Google, do not look it up in the dictionary. This is a made-up word, a made-up term that I made up. And I'm going to just describe what it is. It's, it's our last name, B-L-E-A-ism. So now you all have them. You just didn't realize you did. And it is something in our family that we decided to live out for our children and or repeat constantly so they got it they caught it um i'll give you an example my mom wonderful prayer it's just a giant in my eyes she told me every day several times please shut the screen door <laughs> so as an adult i shut the screen door all the time i get up and shut the screen door for people <laughs> and so we have these blaisms that were intentional and deliberate and we decided that we would live them out and see what stuck with our four children at the very end and some things have stuck so i'm just going to give you two really fast ones uh, we lived out our first one came from jack and he was, uh, this was, came from his father, to work hard and play hard. Now, I just want to let you know, before I do the other three, these are all in, in the Bible. Okay, so just go ahead. That's your homework. Go ahead and find out where those are. But they are. All the college students over here and career people find that out. <laughs> anyway, work hard, play hard. And we have done that. We have lived that out. Then we had an open home. Um, our kids could bring home any kind of kid. And they could always bring them home. And um, they didn't come to eat. They probably just came to visit. 
At one point, we lived on a street that every one of our children had a set of twins as their best friends. So we went from zero to 12 children at about 15 minutes after we got home from school. So we had an open home, and we still have an open home, and those young adults are now coming to our home as adults and still sh we're sharing life with them. Um, I guess you can share the big ones. Uh, I think your favorite was garbage in, garbage out. Yeah, that's so scriptural. That, that, <laughs> garbage that, was, in, garbage that out. was usually if they wanted to watch a particular movie or, or listen to particular music. And mom would say, garbage in, garbage out. And the movie, the movie went out. <laughs> it wasn't about food. It was about <laughs> no, it what about they're food. putting in their minds and what's going to come out eventually if they fill their head with that. And then my last one, I just heard my son and his friend repeat it just last week. We had no S words, no S words. And I know you're thinking, what does she mean by that? But if you, if you raise the standard to no S words, they're not going to say the other words. <laughs> okay? So they couldn't say S words in our house. And I heard the kids saying it at the door. We're at the blaze, no S words. And we did not have profanity in our home as a result of that. And we had big-time basketball going on in the backyard. So it, we, were, we were successful. I am humbled by this experience right here, but that, that stuck. <laughs> and I had shared earlier that um, we had some company, one of my older son's friends, but his father was there, and he um, is fond of an S word. It starts with a different letter, and he um, says it frequently, and, and, but we were visiting and having dinner, and we, we've saw him catching himself over and over when he was about to say it then he would then he would stop knowing knowing that that was not okay and then i would love if you'd elaborate on my favorite blayism um if you lieth you frieth <laughs> so that, that has to be somewhere in the bible but <laughs> I did say it a lot because I did want to tell my kids they were in trouble if they lied to me. So I always said, he who lieth, frieth. <laughs> Cheryl, one nine. Like. Yeah, yeah. Don't worry, we've, we've cut that out of kids' ministry. Uh, but it did, it, did, it did pop up in the family discipleship class. Oh, and has lived I could forever lose my job. In our minds. Yeah. yeah. Well, why don't we, uh, why don't we start look, talking through the framework? We'll start with modeling. Yeah, so the first one's modeling, and this is serving as a godly example for your family, living out your genuine walk with God and demonstrating true repentance where and when you fall short. So who were your models um, for marriage, parenting, and ministry? If you could share with us. I, I again, suggested that we, um, our models um, weren't necessarily the uh, most successful models, but we, um, both, both of us came from uh, divorced uh, homes, um, but we realized that whatever issues were there in those relationships, we, that we, when we got married, we decided that no D words either, so. <laughs> yeah. um, my role model, I had, um, I was a mess uh, in high school and I had a very, um, amazing mentor in my high school um, pastor. He came alongside of me and helped me and helped my bending road go straight again. It was awesome. Uh, we also, I can say that our pastor 
was our mentor when we were uh, just married. We came here off of our honeymoon, and we stayed. And then um, people in our uh, small group, we always had people in our small group who were older than us by 10 years, are younger. So that was awesome. It was a great help to see people in different life stages. And we were able to grow from that. And then is there a time um, that you guys can tell us about how you fell short and uh, how you modeled repentance? Not that you ever did. But. Well, what about you guys? <laughs> I mean, we don't. <laughs> well, of course we fall short. We're going to fall short today. <laughs> We're a mess, you know. And um, you just ask for repentance and you pray. Definitely when you have children, it's, it really kicks in. Your prayer life really kicks in in a different way that you never knew while you're in the hospital with your first child. But um, we do fall short, and we'll probably continue. Because I think God wants us to be on the edge, trusting him and depending on him. And that's how it happens. Yeah. Such an important question. Um, because so often, I remember in the class, modeling brought up a lot of guilt. You know, maybe, oh, I saw my parents reading the Bible early in the morning, or my kid's going to see that. But I think that's what's so important about that, demonstrating repentance. It's like following Jesus is not about getting everything right. It's often much more about when we get it wrong. What do we model? Do we ask our kids for forgiveness? That's how they're going to learn to do a proper, non-manipulative apology and ask for forgiveness. So I just think that's such an important question. Yeah. And, I, Dan, I think our modeling, as far as our Kids growing up, we, we came to church every week. We <clears throat> spent time together. We spent Sundays together. Um, but we, by no means, were you know, getting up together as a family and having devotions and <laughs> planning prayer time. And, and so those failures, we, we, we look back and we think, oh, we should have done more of this or more of that or read our children Narnia. <laughs> um, <laughs> Let them but, Harry Potter. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but... But we were present, and we were there, and they knew what we believed. Yeah. Present. I think, yeah, I think you're taking a huge step when you tell your child that you believe in you are a Christian. At that point, you are a witness to your children 24-7. Wow. And you need to walk your talk. Um, just Sunday mornings doesn't do it. You need yeah. to get up every day and have Jesus be a part of your, your conversation. Mm -hmm. So let's talk through the next two pieces, uh, time and moments. So, Brittany, you want to read time? Yeah, so time is creating intentional time built into the rhythm of the family's life for the purpose of thinking about, talking about, and living out the gospel. So I just I have to hear from you guys on priorities or something, because I'm just thinking four kids. Like, we, bro we broke after three, okay? Four <laughs> kids civil service, full-time ministry. How did you find intentional time within all that? Weird, weirdly. <laughs> um, I was the um, mom. Did you say we're, what did you say? Weirdly. It weirdly, was weird okay. We found time, but we did. You know? um, because the world wants to snuff time out. That's yeah. really true. Yeah. And so... My time, my intentional time with my kids, uh, a lot of it was in the van driving them to school. Um, I was the mom 
cab. And I, at one point, delivered four children to four different schools, preschool, elementary, middle school, and high school. And I realized that there are two ways to go about this. I can lose my mind, or I can practice the fruits of the spirit. So I decided to go with two. I decided to be patient with the crazy people in the driveways, driving around me. I mean, you guys should show up here on, a, on a, any day of the week and watch the Amador drivers. It's just crazy. But anyway, I decided to not have a conversation with my children. I let them in the car because I knew if I'd say tomato, they'd say tomato because they're at the end of their work day and they're exhausted. And so I didn't have much to say to them, but I did have a lot of time to listen. And I listened to their conversation about with each other. And I heard what was on their hearts and what was on their minds. And then I knew how to progress when we got home for the four to seven shift, which is also, it's called arsenic hour for a reason. <laughs> four to seven, very hard hours for family life. But I was very intentional when I put my kids in the car and drove around to the many places we needed to go. And I felt like it was full-time ministry, really was, being the mom band. Jack has uh, another There, there were so many uh, Yeah, mine's a little different, but well. I think we both agreed early on that our kids would be our intention. They would be first, uh, and then we would work all these other things around. Cheryl's been teaching on and off for 25 years. I've been teaching for almost 30 years at Cal State, plus doing this other stuff. All that stuff had to get fit in, but they were always uh, first when I was practicing law and working terrible hours, uh, I would come home and I'd make sure that even if they were sleeping, I'd wake them up. Sorry, moms, I'd, I'd wake them up. And uh, Cheryl was thankfully asleep by then, so I could go in and nudge them. Or, or my oldest two would call me and say, dinner wasn't very good, Dad, so can you bring us McDonald's? So I would go to McDonald's. And then I would, I, McDonald's? I, I would bring them home, I would bring them home McDonald's and, uh, and, and then we would spend a half hour and then they'd be tired and they'd, they'd go to sleep. But I, I would want to see them every day. They poured their problems out at the end of the day and Jack was able to have a strong finish with them with praying and talking about it. It was good. And I didn't mention it the first time, but uh, uh, becoming a judge was really a blessing too, but from a time standpoint, it, it, it was very consolidated into eight to five, Monday through Friday. It wasn't nights. It wasn't yeah. weekends. It wasn't all of the other things that, that came with a law practice. So that gave me time to be at their events and their games and mm -hmm. dance and whatever, whatever they were doing. Yeah. Kids first, yeah. discipleship first, right? If, if that's your season, you're not kids. It's still discipleship first, relationships first, not work first, not money first, that's about priorities. It's good. It's really good. Um, well, why don't we move on to moments? So time, like, that's creating intentional time, or moments are capturing and leveraging opportunities. Oh, sorry, Brittany, you were supposed to read this. Oh, that's okay. Yeah, go ahead. All right, capturing and leveraging opportunities in the course of everyday life for the purpose of gospel conversations. So what were some moments that you feel you leveraged well? Like you spoke about the car drives. Well, I think that um, gospel conversations can come up 
every day and every I watched my mom do it with me she always was praising God for whatever was going on in our home and she always had a story about Jesus on the tip of her tongue for example if I was experiencing a bully in my childhood my mom was able to pull out the story of Zacchaeus and say you know this guy no one liked him and Jesus pulled him out of a tree and went to lunch with him. So she just continually would insert God's word in a very natural way. Um, I did want to share this this little book, Love Does, uh, for kids. This is a, a really great devotional to do with your children because it does just that. It has a story, but right in the middle of it, it shows a Bible story of how we can connect our lives with God's word. And that's what happened to me on a regular basis when I was growing up. And I tried to do that with my children. And I always tell kids that are new to learning God's Word to read the book of John. That's my favorite thing to say to them. Yeah. That's good. I think for mine, uh, less in, in the form of conversations, but um, we, we tried to be sure. And Cheryl, like you said, has been here 25 years. So that left to me uh, getting the kids in their formative years here on Sunday or here on Tuesday or whenever that might be. So we, I would make that effort to at least model that, be here. Mm. We would be here on Sunday. We might not make it into the main area, but we, we got here. Um, might not at, be pretty. And, and as, the, as the kids were smaller, um, uh, two older would go someplace else, but I might be walking out there in the, in the foyer. And, uh, but we made that effort so that at least the example was there that we we do go to church on sunday we do mm. uh, we do believe in jesus as, a, as opposed to having the straight conversation yeah. i love that you share that just i have a connection with that it's the perfect moment to feel pity on yourself for feeling alone but you took that opportunity like let's go to church well, I, together I, they still hand me every now and when i used to walk in the back i'd every every week somebody would approach me and say oh and you're visiting here's a here's a card I, no, I've, I've been here 25 years but they were nice yeah that's good oh that's good well, it's so it's so um illustrates i think the most important point and thing that came out of the family discipleship class that family discipleship discipleship in general is if any maybe five percent adding something to your schedule but in the end it's much more about subtraction and to prioritize and then transforming the things you're already doing right you're already driving somewhere with your kids are you being intentional about that time listening to them you know we use the example uh, all the time of Maybe you've, have you done a meal train before? You brought a meal to someone that's just had a baby or they're sick. And let's say you have kids. Were they aware you did that? Or were they just aware you were stressed, you know, and you had something you were busy doing? Like you can give them a hand in the kitchen or they can go on the drive to deliver with you and you say, hey, we're followers of Jesus, so this is what we do. Like when you start to think in this way and you're looking for the, the moments and you're looking for the time, it's just, it's not about adding. It's about transforming what we're already doing and being intentional. Yeah. We'll move on to milestones, the last piece. Last piece is milestones, marking and making occasions to celebrate and commemorate significant spiritual milestones of God's work in the life of the family and child. Um, so if you guys could share with us, I know you're really good at this. Share with us some ideas. 
Well, we had the privilege of dedicating all four of our children here with um, Pastor Laren. And, uh, you know, it was, it's high risk with Pastor Laren because he held the kids up in the air and we had to pray that they wouldn't throw up on him, you know. It was just like, oh, this is the most pressure I've ever been in my life. But um, we dedicated our children here and Jack and I had the privilege of um, baptizing our children at Shadow Coast with our youth pastors when they got baptized. Um, I'm thinking, though, right now what I'm enjoying um, they are adults, and that's a whole new a whole new world. So we're not going to have time to ever share that. But anyway, um, I I'm really enjoying right now some milestones. I I enjoy when I hear and my kids share with me what they're studying in God's Word, or what they've learned from God's Word, or we are sharing a book together. Those little milestones are really important to me too because I see that they're continuing to grow in their walk, and that's really encouraging to me as a parent. Um, not necessarily does it always work out like that. You know, sometimes we have this straight path for our children, and they decide to go around the bend to get on the straight path. Hang in there. Hang in there. Still share from God's Word. Still share what God's doing in your life. Make sure your kids know how you came to faith. Make sure they know that before they leave your home. It's important yeah. for them to hear those words. Yeah, I, I, when I looked at the question, and uh, uh, I, I thought also just as a, uh, being able to share as, as far as milestones and uh, things are concerned, as far as when we raised the kids, we we really focused on uh, honoring the special occasions. We honored birthdays, we honored anniversaries, we honored uh, Easter, Christmas, uh, um, big holidays to make to make it special, to make those days special, that life has special days. It, it, it seems to me sad when people don't have special days in their lives, things that they can look yeah. forward to, things that they can celebrate. And I understand that there's difficult times in those days too, um, but uh, we, always, we always concentrated on that. Yeah. I can honestly say I'll be teaching a great lesson in Sunday school. I'm thinking I'm really on it, you know. And, you know, when you, when you teach... You learn twice. You learn God's word when you teach. Yeah. And so I'll be teaching, and this little child over here will raise their hand. Yes, Miss Cheryl, it's my birthday in 27 days. <laughs> and I'm going, oh, my mercy. We need to really acknowledge kids' wow. birthdays. Yes. This is a big deal in their lives, bigger than Christmas yeah. Day. Birthdays are big. So we did big for birthdays. Mm. We really did celebrate that. We should be known for joy and celebration as, as followers of um, Christ. And it's amazing uh, just hearing you talk how easy it really is to do something that someone will remember forever. Um, and as parents, you know, your child is going to get their license or they're going to graduate or they're going to get baptized. You know, these things, and we can either be intentional with those moments and make them big milestones or we can just let them, let them pass, right? And then there's a, or even if we don't have kids, um, you know, I think going over the top with celebrating something and someone that you care about, someone you know, like that's such a distinctive thing in showing the love of Jesus. Yeah. Well, Cheryl, um, man, we should do like a separate thing and do this for like hours. I have so many no, thoughts. No, yeah, this is so no. good. But can you? We've lost so much sleep. <laughs> 
Oh my goodness. Well, um, thank you for your faithfulness. Um, and as Brittany knows well, there's also being the one dragging the kids to church. There's faithfulness in that as well. And for your civil service as well. And um, Cheryl, would you close us in, in prayer for the next generation here at VCC? I will. Uh, thank you, Father, for this time um, of sharing. I just thank you for this church and its faithfulness over all these years, uh, not only to us, but to all of our other boomer friends out there. And Father God, I thank you for a church that helped raise our children to come and know you. I thank you for um, the opportunity to get to know kids in this church. Lord, I pray that every person in our church family would take time, take a season in their life to be helpers of our children, to get involved with them and to get to know them. And Lord, I thank you for the calm groups that can um, embrace children that are in their calm groups, Lord. Just give us many, many opportunities to brush by them and show them your love and your care and what it means to walk with you, Lord. I thank you for just all the blessings that you've given me um, over these years, it's, I, I can't explain it, Lord. It's just been the best way to spend my adult life. And I thank you for just your goodness. Um, we love you. We need you. And we just praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>